coming to you today, 12 Stories Up in Midtown Manhattan. We welcome you to another episode of the NHL Executive Suite. I'm Deb Placey, your host, and our special guest today is the Chief Marketing Officer of the National Hockey League, Heidi Browning. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. So your bio on Twitter says, digital passionista dedicated to peace, love, and ROI. Now, I had to look up what ROI was. <laughs> return on investment. So that's your sort of intersection, right, of those peace, love, and return on investment. What does that mean to you? So I developed this tagline when I first joined Twitter uh, because I felt like it best represented me. I am all things digital. I am absolutely passionate and in love with all things digital and so fortunate to have been part of the digital world from the beginning of my career and as we know, it's part of our everyday lives. So absolutely passionate about digital, but I also believe that you can be a, a, a strong leader by being positive and being kind. And most importantly, you can still deliver results. So the peace, the love, and the ROI is all about leading with positivity, kindness, and delivering excellence. Well, I started with social media because that's your space, one of your spaces at least. And I really think the NHL did such a, an important thing in that they recognized very early on that they had really tech-savvy fans. Before we get into some other things, and we'll talk a lot about that, we're going to talk about how you got here, we're going to talk about where you want to go with the league. I want to explain to our listeners what you do and why we're excited to have you on. What is your day like and what is, with a very fancy title as Chief Marketing Officer, what does that mean that you do for the league? So the what our main mission here is to grow our sport, to grow our fan base, and essentially make sure that we are relevant with younger fans. And uh, my two areas of expertise in this are social media, at, which we'll talk about a, a lot today, uh, and also fan engagement as it relates to our entire digital and data-driven uh, database. So we have all these incredible touch points with our fans. They tell us a lot about themselves. They uh, come to experience our games live and they engage with us through our digital and social media channels. When we can harness all of that data, that helps us understand who the fans are. It helps us understand how can we personalize our marketing communications to them? How can we personalize offers to them for tickets and merchandise and, and really make it a personalized and customized experience for, for their uh, teams and needs? Now, one thing that I thought was fascinating was I read that you often go to games and sit in the stands and you take in the experience of a game as your consumer does, your customer, your fan. Tell us about, do you do it a lot? Do you like to go by yourself? How did that come about? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I, first of all, I love to go to visit the clubs. And I love to see the how the entire fan experience works. And my favorite part is sitting with the fans. But my, also my other favorite part is meeting the staff in the buildings. There's okay. such great pride that these folks have in each and every one of their arenas to the person who's operating the elevator buttons, to the person who's cleaning up the dust bunnies and the tunnels. Everyone has such great pride and such great stories and I love finding out how long they've worked there and you find out some of these people have been like you know Zambonis on the ice for 20 years like working in you know the elevator 30 years and so that to me is such a sign of like great leadership and great uh, experience that transcends everything and then transfers to the fan experience so I love that um, I do love to sit with the fans uh, and uh, my first uh, sort of my first game I went to uh, here in New York when I first joined the league um, I had 
had tickets and I was taking a friend, but his daughter got sick, so he couldn't go. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go by myself. So I went to the Rangers game and I, you know, got sat down. I had great seats down low, and uh, there was uh, this group of men in front of me, and I could tell that it was ge- generations, four generations oh. of of family there, and they were having a great time. And they looked over their shoulders and kept looking over their shoulders, and they finally turned around and said, "Why are you here by yourself?" They couldn't understand why I would come to <laughs> hockey by myself, and so I explained it was my first day of school at the NHL, it was right. my first game, and um, they were so lovely. They invited, they ended up inviting me over for Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> they we have a whole relationship where we, you know, comment and communicate at the beginning and end of every season. I sent them a bunch of gear, but to me, that was my first experience of the hockey family. This is hockey, right? And that's what you see in everything that we do with our avid fan base, and why I want to take those stories and help casual fans understand why our sport is so powerful because it goes far beyond what's happening on the ice. It's actually what happens beyond the ice that matters. And would you say it's fair to say that you started as a casual fan and you've you've become much more in tune with the league since you've been working here? Absolutely. I was probably the most casual fan, meaning I would tune in for the Stanley Cup playoffs and final, mostly the final, and I was there because it was social and it was fun, etc. I wasn't a, a follower of hockey, certainly didn't watch regular season hockey. I grew up in Montana, so the boys always played hockey. We didn't have a professional team. So, uh, so you know, it's been an awesome experience being here because it's an easy sport to fall in love with. And that's why there's so many stories and aspects of, this, of the sport that don't get out there. They don't make their way out to new fans and, and, and casual fan bases enough that would help, I think, help bring them in and fall in love with hockey just as I have. So social media is certainly doing that. Let's talk a little bit about that. And your players, if you do a lot of marketing research, would you come back to the fact that your players are what you want to sell? Well, we d- we do a lot of research, and uh, we look specifically at generational research. We're trying to understand both, uh, especially with casual fans, where our opportunity to grow is, but understanding the differences and similarities between Generation Z and millennials, and really understanding what are their attitudes and perceptions about sports, about media, about technology, and more specifically about hockey. And what are the things that we can do to be and stay relevant with them? And so as we've learned through these conversations, um, we know a few things. One, sports equals culture. Like sports is such an integral part of culture, and culture is how uh, young fans sort of identify, create their identities about themselves, and having that knowledge and association and information about sports and about athletes is really important as you create your social currency amongst your friends, right? Uh, and our fans know, or, or these uh, young audiences really know the um, the sport and how athletic it is. They admire it. They know how important and how hard it is to win the Stanley Cup. So we've got a lot of real positive aspects about our sport that are out there. Um, and they admire the avid fans. They actually call our avid fans tribal. And they, want, they're, they kind of feel like they're on the outside looking in. And one of the things that we heard from these fans is that they really want to be part of the tribe but they feel intimidated to ask questions about things like the rules or you know understanding the strategies on the ice and so that was one big uh, aha moment for us is how can we communicate and connect with fans in a way that is will not turn off the avid fans but will appeal to the younger fans the second part of that was um, this uh, they don't know who our players are they call our players like really tough 
tough on ice, really quiet off ice. And we know that that one-to-one connection fans expect through social media, whether you're an athlete, a musician, a politician, your mom, your friends, that is the norm of how communications and connections and relationships work in today's world. And it's notable that our players are not out there. And uh, one of our missions is to help market our players. But we've got a particular, you know, the beauty of hockey is we have this culture of we're going to play for the name on the front of our sweater, not for the name on the back. It's a it's a cultural, uh, a beautiful cultural moment about our sport. It keeps it pure. It's about the team. We don't want to be, a you know, a gang of individuals, right? Um, but at the same time, our fans want to know the individuals. So our challenge is how do we strike that right balance? We're giving the guys the opportunity, our players the opportunity to share their stories, share their lives, their personal lives with the fans who desperately want to know all this information while at the same time maintaining what's special about hockey with that team first spirit. Well, it's certainly happened more in the NHL than anywhere else. If you just look at this last season or the last six months where you have Mitch Marner, the Toronto Maple Leafs, connecting with that young fan in Toronto or Damon Severson from the Devils playing rock, paper, scissors with a fan or and then even Carey Price who could break your heart with a young fan who had lost his mom. And they were very organic. They're mm-hmm. not planned marketing campaigns. They were organic within you know, what was happening on the ice. And then in that way, social media was able to bring it to the fans. Yeah, absolutely. And when we look at the performance, meaning the engagement with our social posts, we we analyze it all. And as we look at that, we see that highlights do well, but you know what does even better? Those human moments. The Carey Price moment is one of our top most engaged with posts out there. People want to see the humanity side of our players and our fans. And so we call it humans over highlights, right? And we need to find that right combination. And if you'll look in our social media channels, that's where we're trying to strike that balance. But what we're talking about with the players is even beyond that. Those are still on ice moments (laughs) where you're seeing that human part. What young people want to understand is they want to know everything about these athletes that they admire so much. They want to know what their workout routine is. They want to know what they're eating. They want to know what their, you know, dogs look like. They want to know what they do for fun. What's their secret talent? And that's the side of the lives that our players are reticent to share, right? And it's not been encouraged uh, in the organization uh, to go put yourself out there to build a brand for yourself. And uh, and our players do such a great amount of community service and just really selfless, community-driven uh, activities that th- I feel like that could be the center of what they talk about. So it doesn't have to feel like it's a player talking about themselves. It's a talk talking about the causes that matter to them and what they are doing with their community and their platform to drive awareness and change. I was amazed to hear that you even have a team, a social media team in the Situation Room in Toronto on game nights and you have other teams, you have a day side team basically in New York City. Tell us about the teams you have. So first of all, that Situation Room is amazing. Have you been in it? I have. Oh, so you know how yes. amazing it is. And I actually think a lot of people who are listening know the Situation Room and have seen it and it's a, if you haven't, it's a wall of monitors. Every frame of, of video, every whistle to whistle, every game is on and 
they are watching everything that happens every night. And I think it just goes to show you the importance the league is placing on social media, which really just means reaching their fans to have the social media be a part of that game night experience. Yeah, that was a big deal to bring the social media team and our comms team, our stats team in. But it's so important to have that real-time communication of what is happening in the game when it's happening. And you've got games that we have 10 games a night and game, the nights when you have two games. And it's really important that we are able to do that. One of the new additions that we've added to our in-game team is uh, a gift maker. And this is a a fun story. Uh, We had this young woman who uh, was just a fan uh, on Twitter. Her name was uh, Stephanie Vale, and she went by at my regular face. And we started noticing she was creating a lot of gifts. And she was creating gifts out of NHL.TV and putting them out there. And she could make gifts faster than anybody. I just remember working games and I would go to her to see something I, I I was definitely someone who even in working in it was was using her and knew who she was exactly you are one of the reasons so a lot of, of journalists and and uh, everyone started to look for those gifts because she was cranking them out so quickly and so we looked at that and uh, thought about you know there's on one hand she's you know taking IP that's ours and putting it out there and now it's getting published in all kinds of uh, different publications uh, and broadcasts. Uh, On the other hand, she's just a fan. So I called her up. I reached out to her on Twitter, got her phone number, called her up and, you know, we talked about it and and said, you know, you're a super fan. We determined that she wasn't like trying to make money off this or anything. She was just doing it because she loves hockey and she has a really great eye for catching those moments. So we hired her That's am- and we gave her her dream story. job <laughs> and she is doing phenomenally. And uh, we're just so thrilled to have her and she's continuing to just uh, evolve and create more gifts. We're going to, you know, continue to have her to do some fun stuff during the off season. But she was just no in uh, a Tampa newspaper uh, because JT Miller discovered gifts that she'd created of him and so they did a whole contest of what are your favorite gifts from at NHL gifts so oh, okay so That's it's great. yeah it's I, I love seeing those moments where a young person whose talents are really shining and being noticed by all so let's talk a little bit about your story how did a girl from Montana get to the National Hockey League well, that's a long story. <laughs> it's a long story. Where do you want to start with that? So so I grew up in Montana, and uh, I grew up in Great Falls, which was the big city in Montana. I was going to say, is that a small town? 85,000 people. Oh, and, that's not that uh, small. It's not that small. It was actually uh, a, a nice-sized city. Um, but I, I laugh because uh, my grandparents lived outside of town in, uh, you know, in, in a rural community. And we'd go out there, and my grandpa would always call me a city girl. And I used to be so insulted by I'm not a city girl and then here I am living not only in one city but two cities in New York and San Francisco and so I guess I am a city girl Uh, but I have lots of great memories Montana is a beautiful place if you've never been there wonderful place to grow up Uh, I always had the idea that I would not live there forever I I was always I had my eye on expanding my universe in some way I didn't know how and so once I uh, you know left and went to college uh, I haven't uh, returned so did you want to go to law school yes I started out thinking I was going to be a lawyer and 
uh, went to the University of Colorado to study. I studied international affairs thinking I'd be a lawyer or a diplomat or something fabulous like that. <laughs> and uh, I was actually working for a company called Kaplan Test Prep oh, and right. working, working off my um, tuition for the oh, LSAT for prep. Okay. The, the, so there was an LSAT prep course. And, um, and it was a fun job. Uh, and one day I was um, working on a Saturday and everybody else was having fun and I was working. And I was on the Boulder Mall and decided I had a clever idea. It was a beautiful sunny day and I needed to be at the office all day. But who said the office had to be inside? I moved the office outside. So I grabbed a chair and a table and the phone and pamphlets to pass out to people because you're you know taking calls and trying to close leads. And so I just moved my desk outside so I could be in the sunshine with everyone else. Generated more leads than they'd ever generated before. And then it became, you know, I was like, wow, this marketing is pretty cool. <laughs> it just takes, and you know, just taking uh, the opportunity to think outside the box or think outside the office, if you will, really translated into, uh, or it really tapped into something that I, I had in me, which is like this drive to make ideas happen, no matter how impossible you think they might be. What was appealing to you about taking a position at the NHL? Well, this, when I first started talking with Gary, it was right on the eve of our 100-year anniversary. Oh, right. And so the opportunity to work for a major league sport and to usher in the next 100 years of a brand was something, that's a gift. Not very many people have an opportunity like that. And so that, to me, was, was really appealing. I felt like I had a very different experience uh, in my work experience than uh, that could add value to the league. And I had a lot I could learn from Gary and Bill and my peers here. And so that to me seemed like a good combination of bringing my skill set to the league and then learning from all of these really smart uh, people who are here. And it's been fantastic. Just like the hockey world, the the NHL organization has welcomed me in like family, which I appreciate. I didn't know what to expect coming from, you know, coming from across the country, coming from outside of sports into a whole new world and culture, one in which many people have worked, you know, here for you know, 20 years or the sports world is so small, you go from one league to another or one team to another and I'm a complete outsider but they all welcomed me in in fact uh, when I first joined the first two people that welcomed me in were uh, Pam L at NBA and uh, and Don Hudson over at NFL so that was fun to like get that first connection I was like we got the women in the leagues or getting together we got the you know organization here they just it, it's been really terrific there was a time when you first started that there were four women in the CMO roles yeah in these other big sports, in the NBA, in the NFL. Do you feel like you had anything in common with them? Or there was a reason or a good reason for that or that you saw that? Yeah, both Pam and Don came from outside sports, right? Pam came from uh, State Farm. And Don, I believe, came from Pepsi. And so I think it's that notion of diversifying your experience, your work experience helps bring and expand your thought and how you, you know, conduct business. And so that is our common bond that we had. Uh, I knew Pam from a previous life from Pandora. She was one of our great clients when we were oh, there. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, that was great. So you came to New York, though, from San Francisco, Silicon Valley, Northern California, and you were there at a very exciting time in a lot of startups. And let's let's start with MySpace, which was, 
I mean, some of the younger viewers or listeners might not even remember MySpace. That's how early it was, right? Yeah, that's kind of funny uh, because it was really the first uh, and the biggest success uh, in early days of the social media space. Uh, and so I joined MySpace right after Rupert Murdoch purchased it okay. uh, from News Corp and went down and was one of the um, original teams to help bring it from super startup phase into uh, uh, you know a multi-million dollar business. And uh, what uh, MySpace was so interesting because it was the hottest property at the time. It grew so fast that the technology, the servers, could not keep up with the growth of the audience. And what people uh, were finding is they could connect with each other around common interests, even with people they didn't know. And it started out being a place for musicians to be discovered. Oh, I didn't know that. Taylor Swift still credits MySpace for her discovery. So people were finding and discovering new music and then people who loved that music and then creating, you know, uh, new relationships and communications. But what was special at MySpace, you could customize anything on your page. It was an expression of you. And this is really early days of uh, what we now are is common in our marketing. We um, were really discovering what it meant to be uh, 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 have a voice as consumers. Uh, and this is the millennial generation. Uh, they'd never ha- we never had voices as consumers with brands before. Brands advertised at us. And we never had a mechanism to respond back. All of a sudden, you had the combination of technology, you had your your smartphones, and you had platforms like MySpace, and you had audience. You could create and distribute your own content to new audiences. So it really disrupted the whole content and media world uh, at a time when uh, it was really exciting to be a part of, right? And so we were right at the forefront of explaining Uh, to a lot of major brands and CMOs why they should participate in MySpace. They saw their kids on it. They didn't understand it, didn't understand why it was, but what value it brought to you and how you could have a two-way dialogue with your customers and with your fans through social media. And it was the first uh, place where people were doing user-generated content. In fact, YouTube, the YouTube player was on MySpace. MySpace helped fuel the growth of YouTube before it was purchased by Google because the MySpace audience was growing so quickly. So there are lots of, it was like the business school of life, all of the wonderful lessons. Um, We helped shape the narrative around what it means to be a brand and have community and be friends and have dialogue and two-way communication and and pass along value. So if someone is talking about your brand in their social media, in their MySpace page, what impact does that have on a friend? And even today, when you talk with young people, the number one uh, influence on their purchase decisions happens to be a friend's recommendation. This was just a new place and a new way for people to have recommendations. So MySpace really uh, was the beginning of a f- my fascination it with understanding these cultural uh, audiences, these younger audiences, how they were transforming expectations and uh, so, uh, expectations of brands and how they interact with them. So moving from MySpace to Pandora, another startup that was really the pioneer of personalization uh, and it's an incredible company if you ever get a chance to to learn more about it but it was founded on this concept of democ- 
democratizing music. There's so much great music out there and so many great musicians out there who never who were never heard because there are only a few that made it onto the air, the radio right. airwaves, right? And so this was an opportunity for a platform for these talented musicians to be heard. Pandora became really critical because it was feeding into a generational desire for personalization. And one of the uh, most interesting aspects of this is all the data that was we were able to understand about our listeners at Pandora. So we, uh, Pandora was on app. It was one of the first apps on the iPhone. Uh, and we were embedded in all kinds of technology. It was, we were in the Internet of Things before it was the Internet of right. Things, embedded in cars. And so we could uh, at any time understand uh, what your favorite music was, what you liked, what you didn't like, uh, what time of day you were listening, what platform you might go to work and set it and forget it. You might go to the gym and listen to a different type of music on your on your iPhone. You might then drive, you know, home and, uh, you know, and, and be listening to kids' music. Maybe you pick your kids up on the way home from work. So there were a lot of really interesting insights that we could take and we could package and help us understand how to market to more customers at Pandora, but also how could advertisers take right. advantage of this data for targeting and personalization. So you worked for these two fabulous startups, two really unique companies that really, you know, were you were in at the beginning. So is it culture shock when you come to New York and after these brand new companies to work for a hundred and, you know, a hundred, literally a hundred year old league? you know, on a different coast in a totally different part of the country in a different space, really. Yeah, I didn't really know what to expect coming to sports after being in the high-tech space. Uh, and, you know, the, the technology world is on such, it's like highly competitive, first to market, you, you're moving fast, you're breaking things, you're failing, but you're learning and you're optimizing, you're iterating. All of those things happen in nanoseconds, it seems. And so coming to the sports world, uh, I can say the pace is certainly there. The pace and the uh, endurance if you will. Our season is endless, uh, which is wonderful. Uh, and I love that part of it. That's what's very similar. Um, some of the uh, the risk taking is a little slower, right? So I've had to slow my roll a little bit on that kind of thing because we're a major league. We're more deliberative in the choices and the decisions that we make and the risks that we take. We do take risks and I'm really happy to see that because I think that's the way everyone grows. Uh, but it is a little slower than it was in the Silicon Valley world. Right. So I can see you sitting across from Gary Bettman in, in, as you're discussing to come to the league. And I, I know he loves music. So was there an intersection of hockey or sports and music in your background discussions with him about coming to the league? So the musical connection, I think, is all about fandom. Right. So uh, at Pandora, we were a listener first organization and at the NHL, we're a fan first organization and building your entire business, your philosophy, your uh, principles that guide you around fandom is critical to relating to all generations, but especially the younger generation. And uh, what's interesting about music and sports is they have very similar ecosystems of players. You've got artists, you've got athletes, you've got, you know, the labels, you've got the, you know, the agents, you've got the teams, you've got the, you know, producers, you've got so many different people that are all important in uh, accomplishing the goals on behalf of both the artists and the players uh, that um, understanding how to navigate 
navigate those worlds was something that Gary and I talked a lot about. You also have the advertisers. So having the opportunity to work in a, a place where we were marketing to consumers as well as that intersection of monetization, that's exactly what we do here at the league. And so how do you take that fan experience but also drive you know business value for the organization? So I think there are a lot of comparisons between music and sports and a lot of relationships that are similar and actually have even crossed over into my world here uh, where you rekindle them because now you're just with a different hat. You're in the sports hat, but you're still working with some of the same people uh, in the world. Well, when you talk about the ecosystem, it's so obvious that you could have a big superstar, even like a Bruce Springsteen, and he will be giddy to meet a New Jersey Devil. And you know, you have an athlete who might be a big time, you know, Michael Jordan, but if he saw Sting, they have a real admiration for each other. Absolutely, and and music and sports are get, are so integrated into. Uh, a person's identity and that that reflection of who they are and expression of who they are out to culture. It's important for us to find those intersections. And Steve Mayer uh, is fantastic at identifying. He's been on you know both sides, and so he's been uh, critical in helping us think through where are those intersection points. And we have, uh, as you've seen, uh, integrated a lot of entertainment, especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs and final. We've made concerts a big part of what we do to take that celebration of our biggest moment uh, of the season out to fans. And we found that that's another bridge that we have been able to create to bring in casual fans to experience hockey through the through music and some of these uh, parties and, and celebrations that we throw. Where do you do some of your best thinking? Where do you get ideas from? Well, my best thinking is always in the shower or, <laughs> or, or the commute, right? So I have a lot of commuting time. Uh, but I really think ideas come from everywhere. We've got a super collaborative, like marketing is a team sport here uh, at the NHL, as it should be. And we have a, a very collaborative team and working across all different divisions to come up with ideas. But I think ideas from fans are great. We listen to what our fans have. Uh, I think, you know, ideas from younger people are especially important to listen to. Uh, and, and one story that I'd love to share with you is um, one day, early on when I joined the league, uh, I received a written letter, typewritten letter in the mail, snail mail, uh, on my desk, which I haven't had a piece of mail in a really <laughs> long time. And I opened it and it was this beautifully written letter by a young 11-year-old named Sabrina Solomon. Wow. And she said, I read this article about you in the Wall Street Journal and I understand you're trying to grow your fan base and you're trying to appeal to younger fans and I have a bunch of ideas for you and I just so happen to be on summer break and I'm just down the street. I think I remember hearing about this. Yeah, I'm down the street and I'm come, I'll come in and I'll work for you for free. Well, you know, obviously she can't come in and work for free. We have legal uh, labor laws around that. Uh, but we, you know, we wrote, we wrote her back and I said, you know, so wonderful. Thank you. Would love to invite you into the, the league and to get to meet you. And, you know, I assembled this group of um, people that I thought might be inspiring to her. They're in all different kinds of jobs here from merchandising to our, our social impact to marketing and sales and sponsorship. And we brought her in and uh, I'll be darned. She came to the league with a full on PowerPoint deck filled with Stop ideas. It. So we quickly got NHL.com up. They did a little <laughs> interview with her. So she was written up, in, you know, had an article written about her. She presented her ideas to all of us. And that um, was so fascinating because it was the ideas through an 11-year-old's eyes. And there were great ideas. And some of the ideas we were already doing. But that was a huge aha moment because she wasn't seeing. She's a super fan. She knows every rule by the number. Get out of here. She does. <laughs> 
and she didn't even know we were doing some of these things. And so that's where it became really critical to think through, we can have the best ideas in the world, but if you're not also seeing it through the lens of the audience who's going to receive it, right. that's how we're going to evolve and shape and, and grow uh, our audiences and our marketing. So she inspired an idea, which is a youth fan council called Power Players. And this is where we're going to do a casting call, essentially, for uh, 10 power players to join the league to help be our advisory board on all things ideas related to relating to this younger generation. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah, she was fun. Then we uh, introduced her to Gary and Bill, and uh, we had a lovely discussion. She presented her ideas to them as well and gave her and her mom jerseys, and we're in constant communication. But she represents what's so beautiful about this younger generation because think about it. They grew up with uh, Google at their fingertips from the time they were born. There's no question that ever goes unanswered for this generation. They feel extremely empowered, and many of them start their own businesses before they even leave high school. Right. They even graduate from high school. There's college. no more why is the sky blue. They yeah. can look it up. Yeah, and, but they feel empowered. Right. And we call them ZEOs because they feel like they can and will change the, the world. And they're doing it through small businesses, and they're doing it by just having uh, um, the you know initiative to reach out to, you know, to me and to others to make sure that their ideas are heard. They have confidence in their ideas. For sure. I mean, I've had young women and young men all my reporting life um, ask me, you know, if I could chat or have coffee or what I did to get where I was. I'm sure people ask you all the time, what do you like about that interaction and what do you tell people now, uh, young people now? Is it a different message than it used to be? I don't think it's a different message. I, I always meet with young people, and particularly young women. I believe 15, 30 minutes of coffee time with somebody can make a huge impact. And you, you don't really think about it too much until you get the dad who comes up to you. A dad came up to me after I was speaking on stage at an event somewhere, and he said, you don't know me, but you spent a half an hour with my daughter, and you made the biggest impact in her life. And I was like, oh, that's so special. That's why you do it. Right. And all you do is just talk about how you got somewhere. My path is going to be different from your path and everyone else's path. And the one piece of advice I give to everybody, which is the most important piece of advice I received, uh, was uh, when I got my first big executive job, you know, making that leap into an executive job, one of my friends said, whatever you do, don't let them change you. You are where you are because of who you are. And that what that really resonated with me because you go into these different um, work environments and cultures and situations, and you're only who you are, right? And for me, it's about being a positive leader. It's about being, you know, acting with kindness, but also being committed to results, right? And so those are the things that I try to bring in with me wherever I go. And I try to, you know, talk to young people about what are your thing? What are your passion points? What's your brand? What do you want to be known for? You bring that to work every day that you go. So what's next? What are you working on on the horizon? We talked a little bit about having the young fans come, the power players. Yeah. What You know, they always say, you ask an executive, what keeps them up at night? I, you know, the NHL seems in a really good place. I mean, you tell me, are there things that keep you up at night, but is it mostly that you're excited about or that you're worried about? 
I'm always excited about, uh, the, I think the one thing that would keep me up at night is I just want to do more, more than we have capacity to do at any one given time. There's such opportunity, uh, and sometimes we can't get there fast enough. Uh, but there are so many things that came out of um, strategic points that came out of these focus groups that we are focused on uh, as an organization. So number one, doing storytelling around our players. Uh, you may have seen our Skates Off uh, episodes where we we're doing player profiles, finding out unique attributes or aspects of each uh, one player from every team and telling their story. Uh, and those have been incredibly popular. Uh, we run them both on broadcast and then we recut and remix them for social media because the attention span on social media is much shorter right. than it is in other forums. Uh, and so we've done a lot of experimenting and learning about what's the right amount of content. Long form and social is three minutes, right? As, uh, and so uh, we're, we're trying to you know find the right mix of storytelling uh, in the social media space. We're also trying to do things where we just show uh, the guys having fun. So we do, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you saw the What's in the Box episode. Yes, yes, yes. Where uh, we uh, had Biz Nasty join and we had the players put their hands in a box thinking it was going to be some sort a of snake. strange snake or <laughs> reptile uh, and then having it be um, some other. Uh, and we had millions and millions of views uh, on those videos, but it just gets the guys' faces out there and their personalities. And, and, that, and that faces out there is a really important aspect of our objective of, of storytelling because our guys are on and off the ice so fast. They got their visors on. Uh, it's hard for fans and especially new fans to know, recognize them without their gear. And so we want to bring, again, that human side of it or that personality out and then share it with our fans. So we're continuing to work on content. We have huge content plans for the, the playoff season. Uh, and then we also were looking at how do we connect um, through culture, through pop culture, because sports equals culture. Other aspects of culture are fashion and music and so and food, right? And so we're um, trying to create new cultural connections. So one of the, the greatest things that we uh, created was our Hockey 101 with Snoop Dogg. Seriously, like laugh out loud funny. Like you couldn't even get through some of the episodes. He was so funny. He's hilarious. He is hilarious. Yeah, Dog Cherry, the greater <laughs> one. Uh, and he's an incredible talent. Yes. And and so we had, you know, episodes where he talked about the rules and the traditions and the cup. We found that we were able to reach entirely new audiences and younger audiences with this content. And if you go back to one of the insights from, you know, our earlier fan groups where people really want to be part of the tribe but feel intimidated by it, this was this content was designed to give you everything you need to know about icing but in a fun and funny way that's accessible to you because you know who Snoop is. So those are the kinds of things that we're trying to do again to prime the pump for uh for this season it was somewhat of a risk you would think i mean i remember seeing it for the first time going you've got to be kidding what is snoop dogg doing but you know it was fabulous but was there some skepticism or some worry i mean a bit of a risk well it, it, it is a little bit of a risk and we were willing to take it as an experiment to see could we expand beyond our avid fan base and of course we monitored everything we monitored the social media conversation we monitored the tone uh, the is it positive or is it negative what are the conversations happening around it what's the engagement who's engaging with it um and you know who are we targeting with media to get it out beyond just our avid fans so if it were going 
poorly, we would not have continued doing it. But it actually turned out to be such a success. And Snoop is an interesting person because he's one of those people that connects generations. So the younger generation is connected through music to their parents. And so when you think about the Snoop generation, it's really Gen Xers who really grew up with Snoop is part of their core music. And they're the parents of Gen Z. And so that was a good connective tissue that we were able to thread yeah, he, he was he's really funny. I'm looking uh, forward to more on that. Emerging technology that we don't even know about yet. What can you tell us? Well, it's so impossible to keep, be caught up on everything that's happening. I'm most excited about what we're doing here at the league around player and puck tracking. Uh, oh, right, right. That is as emerging as it gets after years and years and years in R&D uh, to be able to have a... That's research and development for Research and know. development, <laughs> yes. Um, to, to, to be able to bring the incredible amount of data to life uh, that I think is going to transform the fan experience, whether it's your broadcast experience or your fan experience, this young generation has just this hunger and thirst for knowing information. Again, it goes back to that social currency. I know something that somebody else doesn't mm -hmm. have. I'm first to know, first to share. They'll have this incredible data set that they can tap into, uh, as well as the you know upcoming uh, ability for sports betting as state by state they start to roll out. This data, this real-time data can fuel all of those different aspects of a fan experience. Well, this flew. So thank you so much for doing this. I mean, it's, you know, you are, your energy is infectious. The league's very lucky to have you. And thanks for this chat. I, I'm going to be looking not just for those stats and everything, but for all the technology and, and the social networking is, is awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. She is a digital passionista. So our thanks to Heidi Browning, the chief marketing officer of the National Hockey League for being with us in the executive suite. Don't forget, you can always find the latest edition on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you normally go. And a reminder, if you enjoyed today's conversation, rate and review. Drop us a line. Let us know if you have a guest you'd like to hear that we haven't had on before. Love to hear from you. Love to hear your feedback. And then until next time, I'm Deb Placey in the NHL Executive Suite.